0: Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC, sat down with Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Chip talk about rain, or rather the lack thereof, in South America and how that's impacting the soybean and corn crops and the market overall.
1: Chip, how are you doing this morning? Pretty good. How are you doing, Casey? Not too bad, man. Well, there's a little bit of a swing in the market yesterday. Obviously, at the end of the month, I'm sure there's some profit taking there, but maybe some of this, uh, this marginal rain that they had down in South America might have spooked people a little bit.
2: Yeah, we started to see a little bit of a a shift towards uh, slightly wetter in the forecast and uh, they are going to get some rains in some areas. Now, a lot of those rains are still going to be ending up like half of what they need. uh, And there's still some very, very dry areas, particularly in some of the uh, their main growing areas of both Brazil and Argentina. But it was the end of the month. Uh, We've had a heck of a run. We couldn't, uh, you know, they say a bull market needs fed every day. And with rain in the forecast, that's certainly not feeding the bull, even if it um, pans out to be not enough rain. And so Beans kind of tried this $12 area for, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time, couldn't get through it. And at the end of the month, you saw a little bit of profit taking. I think it was exaggerated. I don't think the forecast um, on face value was you know that wildly bearish, um, but it kind of combined with the last day of the month and we saw a little bit of You know monkey business uh, from the funds it always kind of seems to coincide uh, with you know last two or three days of a month and sometimes the first two or three days of a new month so that's what we have to kind of watch this uh, first two or three trading sessions of december here for what the funds want to do now we have slightly bounced in the overnight so we'd have stabilized a little bit uh, but we'll have to see once we kind of open up the the day session here um, you know if that selling pressure Uh, continues or not. So it's going to get interesting. We've talked on, you know, past podcasts here about the potential, the great potential for uh, greatly increased volatility, especially in the beans. And and you are starting to see that a little bit. So we're, you know, having 30, 40 cent swings in a day that uh, nine months ago would have, uh, you know, blown our heads off. But uh, right now it just looks like, uh, you know, normal daily ranges. So that volatility from these price levels likely going to continue to increase here. So we've got to gotta kind of get, uh, get used to that, I think. Yep.
1: Okay, so um, a consultant down in Brazil, I think pretty widely followed, Michael Cordier. He has made several predictions here. And in Brazil right now, he looks like he's dropping the soybean crop by 2 million metric tons, 130 million metric tons, and full season corn by – 2 million metric tons as well to 104 million metric tons so for all of these all of you at home that are playing the math game here he's done that they're down about almost 10 million metric tons it looks like across uh over the course of doing this and i'm looking at the pro farmer report that i get every morning here and there is some rough estimates that he put out there as far as moisture stress goes brazilian soybeans are about 40 to 50 percent stressed or the crop is stressed uh, full season corn in Brazil is fifty to sixty percent. Argentine soybeans thirty to forty percent. Argentine corn forty to fifty percent. Paraguay soybeans fifty to sixty percent, and Uruguay soybeans fifty to sixty percent. So he's not very favorable on on what was out there, and he mentioned that the rain that they're getting is very marginal at best, and basically it's not going to do much for the crop that's there. So there is a. Uh, the idea of this weather market that we're in is getting a little more entrenched it looks like as uh as some of these reports coming out of Brazil
2: right now, yeah, and as you get into here the month of december and and certainly towards the the end of december and and into January, things start getting uh, a lot more critical um, down there as far as you know productive stages of of their crops go um, It's hard to generalize because their their growing season is so spread out you know from northern Brazil to Uh, the southern areas of of Argentina, you're talking about, you know, I don't know, probably close to 2,000 miles north to south. So you have a a wide variance of growing seasons there. You know, some of those areas, they they plant two crops. So it's hard to generalize, but as you get deeper into December and January, that productive crop development becomes uh, much more critical. So if this dry weather were to continue deeper into December, I think, Crop estimates would continue to shrink. You know, uh, the USDA usually is kind of a a lagging uh, indicator uh, on our crop reports as far as um, crop production goes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the boots on the ground and some of the private companies uh, down in Brazil uh, have a a closer, you know, their finger on the pulse a little more. So that's what the market's going to watch are these private estimates and and what direction they're going and how deep the cuts are getting. You know, there's potentially a big enough crop in Brazil on the bean side that if you shave three, four, five million metric tons off of it because they increase their acreage, it would not be the end of the world. Um, It would certainly tighten things up a little bit. But if you extend this hot, dry weather, you know, for the next uh, eight weeks say, and they're fighting this clear into January, you could potentially uh, shave a a lot more off, you know, 10, 15 million metric tons, maybe 20 million metric tons uh, in total in the Southern hemisphere that starts moving the needle a lot. And so, you know, again, I think that's what's gonna start driving this uh, volatility that you're starting to see increase in beans is is the weather. And, you know, hardly any drought features zero rain. So we knew at some point in some locations, it's gonna rain and you're starting to see that. It's just a matter of, is it helping? Are they gonna get follow up rains? Is the pattern shifting or is this just one rain and it's gonna swing right back to you know, the hot-dry pattern driven by La Nina. And uh, most meteorologists kind of expect that from what I'm uh, reading and, and, and watching is La Nina hasn't shifted, hasn't changed. So they continue uh, most likely to fight this dry pattern through the bulk of their growing season now. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how much that's going to ding the total production in the Southern Hemisphere. And that's what's going you know, going to really drive Prices, we might not know that for a while, we might not know it till, you know, they start harvesting, um, you know, February, March, April timeframe uh, when they finally get finished up down there. So this is going to be a work in progress and is going to push to drive a lot of this volatility that we're seeing.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, so the other thing that we've been paying attention to here the last couple of weeks for sure is the, uh, is the wheat crop and what it looks like around the world again, where it's... uh where it's key growing areas are still pretty dry. Yesterday, Russia had a report out that they're gonna somehow boost um, exports. And today there's a report out that 22% of Russia's grain uh, sowing is in poor condition. So I don't know how they're gonna boost exports with 22% of their crop in poor condition, but I am not an agronomist. But what are your thoughts on the the wheat market as, you look, as, as we look right now and as what we see happening around the world? I was down in Kansas. Um, over Thanksgiving and there was uh, they had a pretty good storm come through there had some pretty good rains come through obviously wheat's in the very early early phase of of where it's at good green lush looking uh, wheat out there now but I guess as you uh, it's still early so you can't make a lot of decisions on that as we go through the winter but what are your thoughts on what's happening in Russia and and honestly it looks like there's a, a bigger problem there developing than we've seen in the past
2: Yeah, and that's, uh, again, we've seen that in years past. It's like you don't know what Russia's going to do until uh, about 10 minutes after they do it. It's been back and forth um, from, you know, we're going to put an export tax on um, to, no, no, we've got plenty of uh, wheat. We're going to export more of it. Nobody knows um, what to think. There's a lot of politics involved. Uh, It appears that the, the livestock sector, of Russia is uh, kind of balking at higher uh, domestic wheat prices. They feed a lot of wheat over there, you know, campaigning uh, the government to, you know, keep some of that uh, wheat uh, domestically to, to keep prices down. Uh, probably the the export uh, uh, people are on the other side of that saying, oh, we got plenty of wheat. It's sitting right here at the port. Let's, uh, you know, let's push this out. Um, we got plenty of buyers for it. So little bit of uh, talking out of both sides of their mouth. and. That's typical for Russia. Um, I I don't know which way uh, uh, that's going to go. Likely, it's going to make about three more round trips to, you know, kind of uh, get the market roiled up. I did see the other day also uh, an increase in the Australian uh, wheat crop estimate. They've really for multiple, probably uh, two and a half years fought uh, or have been fighting dry weather and and kind of a a multi-year drought in Australia. And um, so their crop estimate uh, was raised a little bit. That took the market a little bit by surprise in addition to this wheat news. And so the wheat market uh, not to be outdone uh, by beans has been pretty volatile in its own right, you know, kind of flying all over the place. Now, certainly yesterday uh, really did not uh, bode well. You know, we'll see if there's follow through selling. Uh, If there is, um, you could potentially technically uh, push this wheat market down. Oh, maybe another uh, twenty-five to thirty cents, maybe down towards a five-sixty level, versus uh, March wheat. But it's going to be subject, almost like a weather market, to uh, different world weather events, particularly here. What's happening in Russia and their, you know, politics uh, sur- uh, surrounding whether they want to keep some of that wheat internally or export it, and how much they're going to export, and that seems to uh, change on a, you know, a couple times a week. So. I think the wheat market is going to continue to be volatile. Um, and it's hard to trade that because weather changes and, you know, Russian politics change. And uh, so, you know, certainly this market's going to be thrown around a little bit. Uh, but now I think it's pretty clearly cut technically. Throw out all the fundamental information. Um, right now, I think the path of least resistance is for lower. Um, and it would take a close. Back above the highs from three days ago, which was six twenty-two and three quarters in the March wheat, to renew the uptrend uh, that we have been in for a while. So I think that's kind of the way you play it. Those are big ranges, though, but you're starting to see an increase in the daily ranges, and you know, again, we've talked about that. This volatility is going to increase before it decreases, and maybe um, you know, rapidly increase with much bigger daily and weekly trading ranges so you know right now i'm kind of playing the wheat market that unless you can get above the highs from three days ago that's 622 and three quarters um the path of least resistance is lower i think you you know going to find willing buyers lower because of some of the crop problems we've had in the world but that's all subject to change with you know a, a tweet or uh, some news out of uh, russia or weather is still going to be a big influence for this northern hemisphere wheat crop over the coming months.
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff to pay attention there, man. There's a lot of moving parts in that in that sector of the, of the economy, for sure. Well, fun fact of the day, the global debt is tracking to hit $277 trillion by the end of the year. That's what the T-folks. And that's a record 365% of the world's GDP. So I feel like if I had 365% debt compared to my assets i would be bankrupt i don't know for sure how that works but maybe i'm not the economist that i think i am but i feel like that's uh
2: the whole world is just uh living on a credit card right now so well i did get my bachelor's in in economics casey so did you um yeah i I, you know i i carried a strong uh c average (laughs) but um that you know still I, i don't think that's a good sign no i think i think i'm gonna agree with you
1: there So that's a, that's a, uh, that's an overwhelming number. If you, if you think about that
2: and increasing it's yeah. And it's not slowing down. So minute by minute basis. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, uh, you wonder where that's gonna, gonna, gonna end up, you know, we already see negative interest rates in a lot of areas of the world and, uh, the dollar made multi-year lows, you know, so that, um, is part of the reason we just continue to pump money and and you know, zero interest rate policy and Yeah. Kinda of makes you wonder if every if every major nation on the on the
1: planet is that far in the hole that what's the matter? Right? If everybody's broke, let it ride, right? <laughs> yeah. I know it it's a race to the bottom. It is. It is that for sure. So all right chip well good stuff as usual man if folks want to reach out to you and get some more information about what bully reef can do for them or working on that plan
2: what's the best way to do it yeah best way is just give us a call 309-550-7213 uh we'd love to chat with you no uh no no pressure we're not very uh, uh high pressure uh, people but uh, certainly having a, a risk management plan and, and executing on that plan is uh more critical than it ever has been right on
0: Thanks, Casey and Chip. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert, submit a question, and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. And you can keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire team here at BarmaClement, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.